1: Brad Biggs. Like Biggs time. Biggs. Is. His name is Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs talks football with you. <laughs> Mully at Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score. Brad Biggs is the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a valued friend. And he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Big Zay. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, you're the man, and it's always fun to talk about such matters. Uh, we had a little discussion this morning. Ian Cunningham, according to uh, Jay Glazer, uh, had an offer from Arizona and turned it down. Now, it, Jay was responding to uh, some, Albert Breer's tweet, and he said, I heard that. It, it wasn't like... He came out like Ian Cunningham is turned down, but but it was interesting, and and we discussed like why would you turn a job down, and is it wise if people think you're turning a job down? It's good for the Bears though, right? Because obviously he's been a part of this thing, and he's going to be a part of this thing. There are huge decisions in the off season, a really fun off season, uh, in terms of team building, and um, and there's also draft compensation involved.
0: Yeah, well, there wouldn't be draft compensation involved unless C.M. Cunningham uh, is able to leave for a promotion after next season. Uh, so uh, from that standpoint, it, it's, it's great for the Bears in a number of ways uh, because, yeah, he and Ryan Poles have worked together uh, to this point, and this will clearly be a uh, pivotal offseason for the Bears moving forward. I mean, arguably um, well I don't even think there's an argument they, they, those guys have got a lot more work to do this off season than they did a year ago. Um, you know a lot easier to uh tear something down than it is to uh to build it back up. so the challenges are ahead for them uh, why would general manager candidates uh pass on opportunities when there's only thirty two of them? Well we've seen. Guys, do that over the last several years because it's interesting that while head coaches can be recycled and get second opportunities, and in some instances, even third opportunities as a head coach, GMs that uh, sort of wash out generally don't get a second crack at it. You, You don't see nearly as many uh, general managers with their second team. So you've, um, you you know, you don't want to miss on an opportunity while you're hot, but you also don't want to take a job that you believe um, may be very difficult to win in because it, it could be the only shot you've got. Ian Cunningham's still a really young guy. Uh, he's risen through the ranks uh, relatively quickly, so I think he's uh, more than sharp enough and, and talented enough to be selective uh, with uh, his future.
2: Those are really good points, and yeah, I do wonder, I guess I don't wonder, to me it seemed like a very calculated risk because there are no guarantees in the NFL. There are no guarantees in any profession that you're going to get another opportunity my sense would be that uh, he must be very confident and may may be very comfortable in working alongside ryan Poles. so is the cardinal situation that bad brad in your view do you think that this move or the fact that he didn't want to take this step surprised people around the league
0: no i don't i don't think you're surprised when you see something like this happen what it, it, there could be some real simple factors in play maybe um and this is just total speculation on my point but maybe his vision uh for what he would be most comfortable with working uh alongside and a head coach uh differs from what he heard from ownership in the interview process right i mean that 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 would be a non starter uh right there and and yeah, there's some risk involved in, in turning something down uh, and waiting for your, you know, the phone to ring in the next cycle or the cycle after that. But um, you know, even if the Bears are really bad on the field next year, uh, I don't know that that uh, suddenly he's going to be off everyone's list. Maybe he's maybe he's not considered hot, but he's but he's still so young that um, you just. You, you want to feel like you're walking into uh, the right situation. And the quarterback there got a big contract. Um, he's got a knee injury. Uh, the quarterback's been up and down in his time there. So uh, there are issues certainly facing uh, the Arizona Cardinals that are going to have to be uh, sorted out. And, and Ian Cunningham choosing to deal with um, issues he knows a lot more about at this point that are facing the folks at Hallis Hall.
1: I mean, let's be honest about it. You know, the Bears are only going to go up. They're only going to get better. Ian Cunningham is going to get some credit for his time And, uh uh with Philadelphia and that team's got some good picks and they're gonna do well. I, I just I I feel like he, I feel like he's in a good position, in a position of power in this thing. And I think there are thirty two free agents coming out of uh of Arizona, it's one of those teams that you're kind of looking at and trying to figure out uh, who's going to be available and can you take advantage of that from a free agent standpoint, from a trade standpoint, obviously. Um, Is that the way we're looking at all these teams now, Um, more so than in any other year because of all the money the Bears have? Are you studying sort of the free agent class? Are you wondering who's going to be let go, who isn't, how the different positions will line up based on what happens maybe at the end of this playoffs. I I, I'd be very curious to see who ends up winning and, and how that impacts the market.
0: Yeah. The bears are, the bears have got to be spending an inordinate amount of time stacking their boards for free agency. Uh, and, and that process is surely already started. You know, they've, they've got to be going through, um, every position, every team, every player. So you have an idea of uh, where the depth is, where there's some better players, wh- where you're just buying, you know, average football players, which, you know, at some positions on the bears roster, average football players would be upgrades over what they used this past season. Right. Yeah. But you, but you, you, you have to have a very clear idea of where the strength uh, is going to be in free agency and where the depth is going to be because the bears aren't going to be the only team with a ton of cap space. There's going to be enough other teams with more than enough cap space to go dollar for dollar with the bears in the pursuit of uh, one of these top free agents. If they make the market, if the, if Washington isn't able to keep Duran Payne, well, the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons aren't going to be uh, encumbered by their salary cap situation to n- not be able to, like I said, go dollar for dollar uh, with the bears in free agency. So what's the depth at, at the position, how do you stack the board? What if, if you project that uh, this player is going to need X amount of money What's your range and pay that you estimate for, for the next player uh, at the position? Because they go through it like that. They kind of have a range in mind for where these guys are going to be at. And most of the players are going to fall in the range because you've got an idea of what players will get paid. But some guys, you know, end up uh, blowing the thing up, go much bigger than teams expect. For instance, a couple of years ago, uh, when the Bears signed tight end, Trey Burton, you guys remember that? That was a four-year contract for like $32 million. He was getting like $8 million a year. And uh, uh, there were teams that really liked Trey Burton going into free agency that thought he would, had been kind of underused in Philadelphia behind uh, some really good tight ends. They had uh, Zach Ertz. They had Brent Selick, uh But he had taken advantage of his opportunities and played well on special teams. And these teams thought – Burton was going to be like a five million dollar a year, five million bucks a year guy in free agency, and the Bears almost doubled it. You know, so that's an example of how you can sort of have a range on a guy, and it can get um, significantly higher. It just takes one team uh, to, to be motivated or overmotivated to uh, do something.
2: Brad, you look around the league and playoff teams are firing coordinators, whether it's Minnesota and Ed Donatel on the defensive side or the Ravens and Greg Roman on the offensive side. Don't expect that to happen with the Bears, but we don't know what the staff approach will be because there haven't been any moves. There was also a report from Tom Pellicero that the Bears have requested permission to interview Commander's DB coach Chris Harris, former Bear, former Bear safety. Uh, What do you expect? the approach to be with the staff, and how secure is Alan Williams? And we know Luke Getzi because he's coaching in the senior bowl, is safe. But any other big moves coming, do you think? I wouldn't think there would be any big moves coming. To me,
0: if you were uh, going to get in the marketplace for a defensive coordinator, you'd, you'd want to be looking by now. Like, I mean, if the Bears sent out a press release later today that, they're, that Alan Williams is no longer with them, well I mean, what took you so long right you, you needed two entire weeks to reach this decision. I don't think they'll get there i don't uh i I don't know how you you evaluate what he did with the players that he had and how they subtracted from that group as they went along with trades and then of course they had some injuries that's not injuries aren't an excuse. every team uh faces those, but you just look at what they had. I mean, I mentioned it to you guys earlier in the week, they had uh, what seven guys who ended up starting in a first round playoff game uh, from last year's defense. And that doesn't include Roy Robertson Harris, who was a monster uh, for Jacksonville in that upset or, or comeback win. I guess it was a small upset of uh, the chargers. Uh, Roy uh, had been with the bears as recently as, uh, as 2020. So, ton of defensive talent left the building. They haven't replaced it yet, Uh, but it's a little wild. The volume of turnover you're seeing uh, around the league. I think the latest I saw yesterday was 10 teams are looking for an offensive coordinator. Like, you know, who can put together a list of more than five or six hot and and those are in air quotes, right? Hot play caller candidates uh, right now. Around the league, and it just it just goes to show you the pressure that comes with these positions, and the reality is anymore that about half the NFL is changing uh, a head coach every other year. So you go through two years and you, you get to almost sixteen uh, head coaching changes, which is just sort of wild.
1: Yeah, you know it, it's um, it's always fun. We were talking about the coaches earlier, and obviously, seven of the eight remaining coaches are offensive-minded guys. Sean McDermott kind of stands alone as the as the last defensive-minded coach remaining. But there are a lot of good defensive-minded coaches in the NFL. Bill Belichick, for God's sake, I know he does everything, but he's going to hire an offensive coordinator. He's he's Mister Defense. Uh, Tomlin, Pete Carroll, Chico. There, there's tons of guys. With a background, um, not as much, but, um, you know, Vrabel. They, these guys have, there's good coaches. I, I I, just think it's interesting that when we start looking at Super Bowls, we start thinking about how do you win one and what do you need? And oftentimes the answer is, is on offense.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, you've got to have the quarterback, you, and you've got to have uh, a drop back passing game, right? A a pocket passing game. I think I saw a stat earlier uh, at the beginning of the uh, playoff season here where 13 uh, of the 14 playoff teams, 13 of them were in like the top 15 or 16 in the league in terms of drop back passing. Uh, It would be my guess that the uh, outlier was the Baltimore Ravens, but I didn't see a detailed Break down a list. I mean, quarterback play uh, is what defines the organizations that can become perennial uh, playoff contenders. And you just look at you know who's out there right now, who's who's still playing, who played uh, last weekend. Like you know, Justin Herbert makes the Chargers a viable threat every year, right? Uh, Every year, and they've got work to do. Uh, Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley out there but he, he's elite at that position and uh, there'll be a factor next year and you look at the, the teams playing this weekend um, why are the Giants uh, where they're at after being pretty miserable for a couple of years well among other things Daniel Jones has been better than ever before uh, this season you look at Eagles that are the number one seed, while Jalen Hurts uh, went from sort of inconsistent to an MVP level uh, candidate for for them. Jacksonville, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, his ascent in year two uh, after being the top pick in the draft, and the 49ers things a little crazy, but you've got uh, a tremendous coach there in Kyle Shanahan with a system that um, is proven and a system that he's able to kind of plug guys in and make it continue to work. Well, I've talked to you guys in the past about how he's been able to kind of take any running back and have success. Um, well, he's got a great running back now in McCaffrey, and now he's on, what, quarterback three uh, for this season, and and they're, what, a four-point home favorite, I think, over Dallas?
2: Yeah, I think that's true. Brad, we had some good conversations on Thursday with Rick Spielman, who you know, and also Dane Brugler, who talked draft. And I know it's very early, but I wanted to get your sense of some of these early trade proposals in mock drafts that we see coming out. And I think Dane talked about the Colts moving up from four to one and giving the Bears, obviously, the swap pick, but then adding a second-round pick and a future first-round pick, which is essentially two more extra picks in addition to swapping spots. Does that sound like adequate compensation? Does that sound like the Bears could get more or how would you view this that that early kind of estimate of what it would take to move up to number one? Boy, I
0: I think they'd be if you're talking about the move from four to one, I I don't think the Bears could do any better than that. I, I really don't you talk about getting um, so you're saying two ones and a second round pick? I'm saying swapping spots, then a future yeah.
2: first and a second round
0: yeah i boy you're you're only talking about three spots, and um I think that's about the best that the the bears could do there, and that would put them in a position where they're picking at four uh and then they've got uh a pick at the top of the second round. Or near the top of the second round from the Colts, and they're with that spot at the uh, end of round two from Baltimore within the future pick in mm-hmm. uh, 24 at one. I, I look at that as about a best case scenario. You know, it's not like uh, Indianapolis is coming up from 10 or anything like that. That seems reasonable to me. You know, some of some of these proposals you see out there people float to you or have just been cockamamie like no if the team was willing to pay that the player would be so good that the bears would never consider trading the pick you've got a couple things that have to happen these teams have got to evaluate these quarterbacks and they've got to determine you know what what's the difference in the grade between the quarterbacks as they put their board together as they stack their board with the three quarterbacks. Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I'm listing them alphabetically. What's the gap between those guys in terms of the grade? Because if there's a team out there that has a similar grade where it's, it's, you know, there's a difference between them, but it's not that far apart between their one and two guy, and they feel confident that, well, with where we're at in the draft, we'll get one of them. Or now that we've seen this defensive player go, we are pretty sure one of these guys is going to get to us. Maybe they don't pull the trigger uh, on a trade. You know, how good do teams believe these quarterbacks will be? Uh, There's just so many questions that have to be answered in the next six to eight weeks. I think before anything gets serious um, in regard to a potential trade, I know it makes for terrific conversation. And, and and I know it's something that the Bears hopefully will at least be able to consider uh, because they need... Yeah, I love the idea generally of, of taking the best player available. You know, do your work, put together your board, sit there at one and get the best player you can. But because the Bears have the needs that they do and because they only have one top 50 pick in this draft, I think you've got you've got to hope to be able to at least consider some offers for a trade down, and then evaluate how that can impact your team. Um, it's it, it's not a done deal in my mind that this pick will be traded, but uh, again, in a best case scenario, Ryan Poles has multiple uh, options to sort of evaluate, to weigh, and try to determine you know which is best for the Bears probably long-term.
1: Great stuff, Brad. Great catching up with you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, Brad. Take care, guys. Listen
0: to every MLB game live.
1: the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind.
0: Stream minor league affiliates.
2: The Midwest League home run leader.